This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Self-Help Place podcast. This is episode 20, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about real self-improvement. So it's a roadmap to improving yourself and what self-improvement actually means and the attitude you should take towards that. The very first thing I want you to do is this. You know, when employers ask you in job interviews, where do you see yourself in five, ten years time? I want you to picture who you want to be in five, ten years time. And by that, I mean not what you'd want to be doing by then. I mean, what qualities you want to have? What what would you want to change in yourself, if anything? Now, if you have a good think about that and you realize, actually, there's nothing I want to change. I like who I am. You don't need to listen to this podcast. You don't need self-improvement or self-help. You don't need any of that because not everyone needs it. You only do this if you want to. So then on the other hand, if you go, well, I'd like to be more confident. I'd like to be in better shape. I'd like to do this and that and the other. That's your starting point for self-improvement. So that is the absolute very first point I want to make. So let's make a start. So I want to start today by discussing something that I mention actually a lot. Self-help and self-improvement have a really bad rap these days. It feels like anyone with an opinion can come up and give advice to other people on how they should live and improve their lives. And the problem is it's created this really bad kind of landscape of you know these quote-unquote self-help gurus who say what they think you should be doing in your life when in fact one person's improvement or techniques of self-help might not necessarily be yours. And it might seem a little ironic for me to mention that considering this podcast called the Self-Help Place Podcast. But the whole idea behind this podcast is to really get to grips with what self-help really is. You know, so taking all the fluff of it out, taking all that kind of thing out of it and just give some, offer some helpful tips and common themes that tend to work for a lot of people. And it's really more, this podcast and the site is really more for you to look into your, yourself. Because I, I can't tell you or advise you, I'm not a professional uh, psychologist or psychotherapist or counsellor or anything like that. But the idea is is to ask those questions for yourself, for you to look into. Because, you know, my personal background story, I have made a lot of self-improvement. I can barely recognize the person I was five years ago in the best way. Um, so for me, I have taken a self-help, self-improvement path, which has worked. My path might not work for you and someone else's path might not work for you anyway. But the point is, is to provoke questions and to give you information for you to look to yourselves and then take it from there. So today I'm going to be talking about some common themes which do work in the majority of cases and you kind of have to adapt it to yourself. But this is this if you're going to take anything away from this podcast by the end it's this is how you actually do self-improvement. It'll be bespoke to you, but these are like the pillars if you like of self-improvement and how really to do it. Finally, please check the description from wherever you're listening to this podcast from because I'll be including an article for you to read as well. Uh, it's from Medium, written by Scott H. Young, and it's called The Seven Pillars of Self-Improvement, which is a very, very good article. I'll be basing some of my information from that article for you to have a read, so have a read through it as well. 
Um, and But also the majority of it will come from my own experience because I went from point zero to researching self-help, finding what works for me, and then taking it from there to become who I am today, essentially, which I'm, I'm very proud of. So let's get started on the first point. So as I mentioned before, these that I'm going to discuss with you today are quite common themes. They do come up again and again for people who have transformed their lives around and what they did. Uh, these are probably the most common things. So the first thing is something, I take, I'll take this from the article, but it is something that I mention all the time and it is very, very important to look at. I would probably say it's the most important thing in my own journey is looking at habits because you would actually be surprised how much of what you do in the day is based on habit, good and bad. We all have them. We all have our little separate habits, some that we like and are very healthy for us, some that are not so much, some that are so bad that it's just crippling our lives and it's very, very hard to break out of them. So that's the first thing to look at habits. Now, what specifically to look at? And the first thing is to just be aware of habits that pop up in the day. And I don't mean just be aware of them. Everyone has an idea of what their habits are. Actually get a journal. Highly recommend journaling. This helps you just kind of structure it. Write down your good habits and bad ones. They're not always easy to spot. So for example, and quite an obvious good habit is to get up at the same time every morning to maintain a consistency in rest. That's a one example. A more subtle good habit is that you might not actually check your phone or like emails or messages or anything until after you've got up, had breakfast and actually sat down to look at them. That might not be a habit that's intentional, but it is all the same good, especially if you're someone who wakes up straight away, which I've been guilty of this, looks at messages straight away and you find you way more tired and less prepared for the day because you've just filled your information, your brain, sorry, with all this information right from the start. So it's just, uh, it's not good. So again, there's habits that you might not necessarily be aware of that will come in time. But first of all, just write down the habits that you have. So if you wake up consistently, if you have lunch consistently, that, that it can be timing, it can be behavioral patterns like you might be checking in with friends or family uh, once once in a while or every day or something like that there's so many of them but write down next to each habit what that habit does for you that helps your life in some way so for example getting up at the same time every morning means you have a consistent day it's not all over the place think about the opposite if you didn't have that habit like what or if you had the opposite habit, the bad version of that habit, what would happen to your life? So first of all, it's recognizing those good habits. Then move on to the bad ones. Now, when you face yourself and have to be totally honest, and you have to be totally honest, the only the only way this is going to work is with self-honesty. So find out what those bad habits are. Don't be afraid to face them and write them down because this is just you. We all have our strengths and weaknesses and flaws, etc. It's perfectly okay to have them. Write them down anyway. Then take a step back and look at all those habits. And then what you then need to do is check them against what you want. Because if you are interested in self-improvement, there has to be a reason for it. What what do you want to become? Do you want a changing career? Do you want to be a quote-unquote better person and by that I mean just on your own volition you want to add something or take away something so to speak like you want to be more compassionate or you want to be you know better with people or less quote-unquote lazy that that kind of stuff um find out what habits 
in your head. I mean, you can write this down or you can just look at them. I mean, for me, I'd look at them and I'd go, right, okay, so I want to be this. Which of these habits helps me and which of them takes it away? Sometimes you might write a good habit and actually it takes, well, what you might think of is a good habit and you might find it actually takes you away from what you want and you might need to change that. So what this does, it just helps you pinpoint what habits you want to keep, which habits you want to throw away, and what will then you'll then identify is habits that are missing. You know, you, you want to develop a habit. You might have read an article or heard about someone doing X or a Y amount of stuff every day, and you want to start building up towards that. So this is what I'm going to go on to next. So how do we change our habits? How do we add habits we want, and how do we remove them or overwrite the bad habits? Well, let's first of all look at what a habit is. Essentially, a habit is a behavior that is pretty much automatic or more automatic than something else you would do. And it's it's usually something you can repeat with ease because it's second nature to you. So how do we make something automatic? Repetition. And this is where it gets difficult because sometimes you can feel very unmotivated and uninspired to build a new habit. So let's take the example of exercise, which is a universally good habit with very, very few exceptions to that. And that's usually due to ill health. Building a healthy habit such as exercising is very hard to do because it requires a lot of consistency and persistence to build that. Now, there's a lot of things I hear about, oh, it takes 66 days to build a habit. It takes this amount of days to build a habit. I would generally say three months. I think that's for me. That's what happened. And I seem to remember when I first started setting foot in gyms, I think one of the trainers in there was like, yeah, you need to be going here at least three months before you see any results. And at the time, I was like, three months? Like, come on, surely I just lift a barbell for a couple of weeks and surely there'll be results then. But the idea was you have to consistently keep going for or in order for change to be made. This is the problem I find with myself and kind of human beings in general. We're not very good at seeing the bigger picture over a long period of time we usually lose interest before it's things start getting good so let's say we well it's 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 the famous example of after new year's we all make the news new year's resolution right i'm going to lose weight this is the year i'm going to get in shape so everyone buys a gym membership hits the gym like crazy for two weeks and then we just don't anymore and then our, our gym memberships in our bank account going out every single month and we haven't even touched it or even thought about it for all that time why do we do that it seems obvious when you think about it, but really think about why do we do that? Why do we create such that, why why do we have such that want of looking great, getting in better shape, looking healthier? And why why is it that we just give up so soon? And it's because those two weeks seem like the longest time ever. Because when you first start something, especially the gym, when it's very difficult in the beginning, you know, you really have to push past your mind's excuses to not go and just fall back into old habits of not going, just sitting around and just, you know, enjoying your time, which is great as well. But if you have no exercise in there, then it's not good for you, really. It's, it, you're just becoming stagnant. So what's the difference between people who stay past that two weeks and go on to achieve greater things and people who do it for two weeks and then give up? There's a number of reasons for this. The very first one, and again, this is going back to asking yourself those questions. Why are you doing it? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to look better? And you be honest with yourself. 
you you might be you might be looking to get a partner you you might be single you might be unconfident with your body man or woman doesn't matter and you might want to get in shape so you can start dating and feel better about yourself and more confident in yourself perfectly valid reason absolutely fine you know don't ever be afraid of your reason being not good enough or not enough but you really have to look into the wants because I often find that more often than not, it's the wants that gets you through it. And it's a combination of want and don't want. So for example, why am I going to use the gym? I want to look better or I want to get in better shape. I want to improve my health because, and why do you want to do that? You look at the the don't wants. I don't want to remain unhappy with my body for the rest of my days. I don't want to risk any further health problems, so I want to get healthy and fit. You know, combine the want with the don't wants. Sometimes it's the don't wants that propel you forward. You know, I want to lose weight and get in shape because I don't want to be, I don't want to get out of bed and look in the mirror every morning and feel depressed. I'm done with that. And sometimes it just takes that grit of, I'm done with this. And this what comes next, the decision. So what is the decision? The decision is the difference between going to the gym for two weeks and then giving up and staying past those two weeks and actually making the change you want. And that all comes down to this. Look at what you want to do and ask yourself, is that what I actually want to do or is that what I think I should do or is that what someone else has told me that I should do and I feel I want it because of that? When you make a decision for yourself and yourself only, and you know right in the deepest depth in your heart that's exactly what you want and you will make the decision to get there, very few things will get in your way. And what will start you'll start to notice is you'll see the excuses your mind makes to not go somewhere, you know? Like, oh, it's raining today, I won't go to the gym. Oh, this has happened. Oh, I've I've I had a I'm a bit tired today, I won't go. You see, it, this, these will happen anyway, these excuses will appear, but when you've made that decision in yourself that you want to do this and there's no going back, that's it. That's, that's all it takes, a decision that this is, this is what's going to happen because if I don't, this is what I'm going to go back to. Be careful with that, of course, you know, it's got to be a healthy decision, like don't say I'm just going to cut out all pasta and all carbohydrates and stuff and just stick with healthy foods as of tomorrow and I will never eat a piece of junk food again. That is not realistic because that's not how you're supposed to do it anyway. And I'll come on to the next part as to how to change those habits realistically. So that's where you want to be starting with building a habit. What you don't want to be doing is trying to build a habit based on what you feel you should be doing to impress somebody else. And that is all too common, I'm afraid. And you can sometimes truly believe you want that, but then you, you do a bit of soul searching and you realize you don't. And it's happened to me a few times. You know, there's, there's things I thought I wanted, but I didn't. Like I thought, you know, uh, when I was a teenager, I thought I wanted to be rich and famous and I wanted to do that. But then when I actually, the more I got to know myself better, the more I realized, no, that's not what I want. Because when we dream something, we only see the good side of things. We never really see the other side. I mean, fame, being famous, being a celebrity, yeah, you get worshipped by people and everyone loves you and all this. The other end of the spectrum, people don't leave you alone. You might suddenly decide you don't want to do this anymore and then you just want to go and 
do something. Way harder to do that when you're famous for something and your livelihood relies on you doing the same thing. You can't just go and switch jobs randomly or it's a lot harder to do so. I don't think I could really understand it fully because I've, I've never been in that position, of course. But that's the kind of thing you've got to think about is, you know, keep it real. Following those decisions, you've written down all your habits, your bad habits, your good habits, you found out what you actually want. That takes a bit of time. That's not an overnight thing. Sometimes it takes a while. It can take a day. It can take a year. It takes you a while to realize what you really want. If you don't know what you really want, don't worry, because all you have to do is start with what you don't want. And that can just be, as I mentioned, just as powerful, if not more powerful. And for making changes to those habits, that's where your journaling comes in. So you start making a plan of what you're going to do. So if you want to exercise, you are going to split it into the following categories. Resources, learning, you're going to find out how to do it. You might have the opportunity to hire a personal trainer, which is fantastic because they're the ones that get you started and get you sorted. So you educate yourself and find genuine resources to do so. Some areas are more difficult than others. I'll go on the example of exercising and health again. There's a lot of information that just is not true out there and it's very hard to discern between them. Uh, but really, it's about a lot of experimentation. It's finding you know, established information, established websites rather than random forums. Um, but the simple rule of thumb is this. Change takes time. So I, would say, I mentioned three months. I would say that for me, that's how long it takes for me to build something. And what I do is that I have a little reward system, which is where if I want to build a habit, like for example, I'm currently studying software development and there's something that the community have created called the hashtag 100 days of code challenge, which is where you're trying to build a habit of coding every day because learning to program is very complicated and it requires not only the learning of languages, but learning about how data structures and how a computer thinks, because it's going to be different to how you logically think through things. The logic is different. So you really have to do um, CED, which is code every day. And it's created that little community, 100 Days of Code. So what I would do is I would write down or have a Google Google Calendar open, sorry, and I would just write down, make time, whatever I'm doing in the day, I'd make time just to do a bit of code every day, even if it's just 30 minutes, just do something. And then on, on Twitter, I would just post what I did, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, uh, and do whatever I can. Some days I can do loads and it's great. Some days I'm so tired or I've got so much on, I do a little bit. But you, the important thing is with any habit building, and, habit, and the way to remove habits is to overwrite them. I mentioned that a little bit earlier about overwriting habits. That's really the way to do it. You've got to take that habit, overwrite them with something else, distract yourself away from that, and just keep it up. It's very, very difficult to do, but with consistency and persistence, you can do it. And before long, and it might seem long when you're trying to, because when you pay attention to time and how time goes, time actually goes very, very slowly. People always say time flies, but actually when you really are in the moment, time takes a while. I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I stayed in a Buddhist monastery for a week and there was no phones, no internet, no nothing, for, and it was just meditation for one week straight. The week felt like a year, and a week is actually a very, very long time when you're not busy with distractions. So it seems a while, but before you know it, you just keep going. And before you know it, and which might seem ironic to what I've just said, but, you know, it's even though you are present and things are taking a while, it will seem like it, but you just keep going with it and then you will reach three months and you would have built that habit and you would have actually 
like not remembered a lot of the journey you just remember where you are it's weird how our head works like that but in the moment it looks it, it takes a while because days are long but just keep pushing through and keep going to the end and constantly remind yourself why you want it and why what you don't want out of it if that makes sense so you know I want to do this because I want to build this habit because of this I don't want to do it because of this okay so the next topic I want to move on to when it comes to self-improvement is uh, beliefs and thoughts, and particularly thoughts and beliefs regarding yourself. This is another big one, uh, alongside habits, and this is, I think, the biggest thing with self-improvement comes under the topic of self-limiting beliefs. So what are self-limiting beliefs? These are, again, it can come from mental habits even, again, it all ties together. Thoughts and beliefs of yourself some of those can actually lead you to not achieve what your potential is. So let me give an example. So let's say you want to be a digital marketer or you want to be a freelance in some kind of business. So you might have all the skills already, but there's just that little doubt in your head saying, oh, I'm not going to make money out of this. Or you might have a family member that goes, no, just keep your full-time job. You're never going to make it as a freelancer because it's too risky, it's too dangerous. And what happens is you, you start... Your mind starts grasping onto every possible way to, that you would fail to try and protect you. It's weird. We try and protect ourselves by trying to limit ourselves. So, oh, you know, that found it when you were a kid, your parent told you you couldn't, you shouldn't do this, you couldn't do this, you're too dumb to do this or that and the other. And, oh, I don't think I can make money from it. And what actually happens is you start believing these things and they become the reality which further reinforces those self-beliefs. It's a very complicated topic, but it happens to everybody. And it's about getting over those self-limiting beliefs. And a lot of that is involving fear. If you ever want an audiobook to listen to, listen to Mastering Fear by Brandon Webb. It's, an, it's a book and it's, an also, it's also a audiobook on Audible as well, which I'm currently listening to. Now, he's a former Navy SEAL commander who tells you how to, like, overcome that fear. And it, actually, it's, it's groundbreaking because it tells you things that you've kind of already known, but he tells you how to do it properly you know it's fear is a big factor when it comes to self-limiting beliefs so once again just like habits open that journal or any kind of any kind of notepad or anything write down what you think your self-limiting beliefs are this is a very difficult exercise because it's it is hard to be honest with yourself you know if you're someone who's already quite self-honest fantastic but some of us aren't particularly the most honest with ourselves and that doesn't have to be a sinister thing. That is just quite simply the reality. Like we kind of avoid those weaknesses that we all have. And uh, I used to do that. That was that was me definitely included in that. Like I had a weakness which I kind of had an inkling on, but I lied to myself so much about like, oh no, this, that, and the other. You you're good at that. And it's oh, but the thing is, it's okay to not be good at something. There are things I just wasn't good at, and there were things that what didn't come natural to me than others, but because I just didn't want to face this reality of myself, because I used to think that if I had any kind of, you know, weakness in myself, I'd feel like I was the only one with that weakness. And I didn't want to feel depressed. I didn't want to feel like I'm a failure or I'm useless or anything like that. So I'd lie to myself about those things. And you might have an experience of this yourself, but when you face, so when you face yourself and you go, right, I'm going to be honest, what are my 
you know, what are my weaknesses? What are my self-limiting beliefs? It can be quite hard to write them down at first, but it's so important that you do because once you once you have them, once you've got them out, you're free. You're like, oh, okay, this is that. That's it. That's that's all. And you know, you might have weaknesses. You might have beliefs that actually are not as bad as they seem on paper, or you might have something you think, wow, how am I going to get over that? But the important thing is is to write out and establish, like group them find out what they are, group them, that makes it easier to tackle because then you can start going, right, this goes here, this is what I'm going to do about this and things like that. Um, for self-limiting beliefs, what I can suggest, and it's, it's worked for me and it's something that goes along, find someone that you can trust who can mentor you in the things that you are not as good as believing yourself in. For me, it was actually a therapist. I, I took therapy for having OCD uh, a number of years ago now and that was someone I kind of confided in about things I didn't believe. And it was it was so refreshing. to. F- it felt like all this time I've been holding in these limiting beliefs and I knew I had them and there was a guilt about them and lying to myself. I was finally, it was almost like a confession. I was finally just getting them out saying, look, okay, look, I, I don't believe I'm good at this. I feel like I'm this. I, I'm, and it's, and then they, and then they tell you it's okay. It's fine to have that. And they don't react. It's like, oh, all that time, I was just bottling all that in, and it was absolutely fine to do. So get them out, you know, find out what they are first. They may hurt when you face the reality of them, but what you have to remember is the the reality that comes next is way better than the reality of keeping them inside and not doing anything about them, because they will drag on. If you want to do something, you have a self-limiting belief that you just want to avoid, you end up procrastinating and then you just don't bother doing those things. So you have to really find someone to confide. It doesn't ha- could be a therapist, doesn't have to be. It could be a family member or a friend you trust who will really help point these things out with you and they can help you overcome them. You know, I'm sure if you have a good enough friend to say, look, I'm trying to like do this, but I I feel like I'm a bit like this and you have experience in this, that and the other and I want to know how to do it. They might help you. Sometimes you just need to take that that extra step, you know, that step ladder to achieving what you want to achieve. Also, at the same time, always challenge your mind. Always challenge your thoughts and beliefs. For some sometimes you can I don't know, like you you might drop something. You might drop a glass and you go, oh, "I'm such an idiot." Challenge that. I dropped a glass. I mean, you know, something we all do. And it seems so trivial to mention that, to stop and go, oh, let me question this. I dropped a glass, therefore I'm an idiot. Well, maybe I'm not. I don't mean it like in such a, that kind of way. I mean, everything you say in your mind has an effect later on, you know? Like if you constantly say to yourself, I'm an idiot, I'm this, or I'm not very good at that, or I'm so pathetic. Oh, I can't work this out. I'm so pathetic. I'm so stupid. No, no, no. You see what's happening is that you're trying to turn that into a reality. And what what's actually happening under the hood a lot of the time is that you're saying that to take the edge off the, the feeling of being depressed in a way. So you feel, oh crap, like I, I didn't work this out. If you say, oh, I'm so stupid, why can't I work that out? It's weird that our mind thinks that will get rid of some of that stress of that feeling. But what happens is it kind of does and then it just gets worse because you start believing what you've said. And then again, your mind tries to go into the past and try to grab any time, any time that 
anyone's ever told you that you're not worth it or you're pathetic or you're stupid, you grab onto that and then you construct this little story in your head and that becomes a self-limiting belief. So you're always challenging and sometimes a third-party perspective, someone you trust, make sure it is someone that you feel you can trust because if you put your trust in the wrong person, it will just destroy you further then it's just it's just not good for anyone really, isn't it? So if you don't have anyone, that's okay. Um, you can either go and find them, you know, like for example, for me, I'm training to be a software developer. None of my friends code as far as I'm aware. Um, so I joined a course and I got in touch with students and now I have a couple of students that I'm friends with now and we share our code and we go through the same struggles and so and um, I've also online met people who are like more experienced than me so again I look at my self-limiting beliefs I don't feel I have the brain to do this kind of thing and they go well and they say well I didn't either to be honest I failed it all the time when I was a beginner but then you just keep going you keep practicing and you will get there and you think self-limiting belief gone because you know it's normal the majority of the sufferings you will go through you are 100% not alone in that there are 7 billion people on this planet there's going to be someone who suffers the same thing as you so find someone if you don't have them if you really can't have that for whatever reason then just challenge yourself always challenge it don't say yes that's definitely true don't say no that's definitely not true just go to the case you know like for example if you feel i'll take the example of you feel you're stupid or pathetic you go okay well actually um your mind will bring up times well i'm stupid because i did this that and the other and i always see i here listen to this i always seem to screw up whatever i try and do do you see how when you look at that if if your friend told you that do you realize how ridiculous that sounds it's impossible to screw up everything you do there's going to be stuff you do right of course there is and if the stuff that you are making mistakes more than once then it's just about all it is is taking action to change that think about employment if an employee's uh, productivity is going down they tend to take you in or send you an email saying look I've noticed this why is that and then they go okay let's take steps to improve this of course there are companies that don't do that there are some that do not have good intentions at heart and they do not have their employees best interests at heart and they just won't do anything to improve them sadly those companies um that they are around and I think if you are in them you should look to try and change the company you work for because you know we only live a short period of time on this earth and I think uh, you know if you spend a majority of your time at work you should be working for a better company but anyway my point is there's a reason why companies take a systematic approach to uh, a company, uh, a employee underperforming, and everyone will have times where they underperform. It's normal, but if it's a, if they start to notice it's consistent, they pull you in and go, "Okay, we noticed this. Why is that?" You might say, "Well, something's going on at home, or I've been tired with this, or I don't understand this," and it can feel horrible to be pulled in. And of course, if you have that self-limiting slash uh, bad habit, there you go, bad habit belief of like, "Oh, I'm stupid and pathetic." And then this happens, this will just make you feel that way like 300 times more. But what a company does is go, right, okay, this is happening. What can we do to change this? 
And if you're honest with yourself, you just go, okay, well, actually, I don't agree this in the company policy. This is actually limiting me. Or you might say, well, I could take this time off or I could, if someone could just take this workload for me for a little bit. And like, if you work in a good team in, in a work office, then they might be able to delegate that to somebody else who's willing to take that on and just give you that bit of a break to get back to normal. But my point is, you see how companies take a systematic approach to dealing with that and then improving it. You have to do the same with yourself and not quite in such a, a strict way. I mean, maybe using a company is not the greatest example, but I think you see my point there. You have to say, okay, if I'm making a consistent mistake and I'm calling myself stupid, what is the mistake I'm trying to make? Let's really look at it and let's actually make a plan to get out of that. So don't give your mind a chance to dwell. You know, it's, you know, you see children, they go off and sulk sometimes and leave them on the step. Now, if every adult went, oh, you poor thing, you're sulking. Think about how spoiled they grow up to be. Sometimes if, if, it, if a child is just sulking for no real reason or it's, it's for a reason that's really not genuine, you just kind of have to leave them to it and they'll just get over it and they'll just come back. You know, it's you kind of have to, in a weird way, you have to do the same thing with your mind sometimes. It will just complain for no reason. You'll wake up some mornings and you'll just feel dreadful. You'll wake up some mornings and feel anxious. But the point is, sometimes your mind just feels what it wants to. You just kind of have to challenge what it is and you go, okay, sometimes it's just having quote unquote a paddy. So <laughs> you just need to be careful of that. The next topic I want to bring up is the topic of emotional self-regulation. This is also in the article I'll be linking below. This is a big one and it, it sounds like I've touched on this quite a bit already, but this is more to do with just your everyday emotions. And I mentioned just at the end of that last part I just mentioned is that we will wake up sometimes and feel anxious or quote-unquote triggered or upset or something like that it doesn't necessarily have to have a reason behind it but it can if we take it way too seriously it can just get worse and can lead us to make irrational decisions if you are someone who struggles frequently with managing their emotions I do recommend therapy here particularly cognitive behavioral therapy because that just allows you to look at your behaviors and make those changes and again part of that is habits and a lot of this comes back into habits of like mental habits so we have to realize that our emotions and thoughts turn into our actions our speech our livelihoods so it's very important to make sure our well, if you excuse the term, our inner worlds are well taken care of or well gardened because if we neglect this, and it's 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 a terrible thing that a lot of us do, and we have times where we neglect it more than other times, but it can, again, it can lead into bad habits, and this is what we want to try and avoid. Um, so in my experience of this, so I have OCD, so it's not it does not affect my life anymore uh, as, far as, as far as I'm consciously aware, but there was a time when it affected every single move of every single day and it was terrible and it was so strong I couldn't stop and it was it was um the emotion of anxiety was so strong in me and I just couldn't regulate it I it was I I couldn't grab it I couldn't I couldn't do anything with it I'd leave and not at the office on Friday and think oh I forgot to check that and then my whole weekend would be taken up worrying about this thing. And it's the weirdest thing about it was, and the weird thing about emotions is that sometimes you know it's ridiculous to feel a certain way, but you do anyway and you can't get out of it. And you think, how on earth am I going to get out of this feeling? And if you feel like that, it goes back to point one. And this is how I overcame it. It's overwriting those habits. And 
it's hard. It's really hard to do that. If yours, I would say emotional habits and mental habits are harder than physical ones, but it does not mean any way they're impossible. They're definitely doable. It is just difficult because you really have to challenge yourself. You have to be in conflict with yourself. You have to face yourself and go, right, this is ridiculous. So I'm going to avoid any action that will try and either increase that or, in my case with OCD, prevent the action or thought that would make it easier or make the problem go away temporarily, but actually makes it come back stronger in the end. So again, highly recommend uh, cognitive behavioral therapy here. If it's if if it's gotten to the point where you don't like having these emotional habits and you physically can't stop yourself, that's when you need to get some help. If you're already in help, great, but it doesn't just you, the road's not over once you're in help, like in therapy, because you have to help yourself. And this is the whole reason why this self help place podcast exists is because I was one of those people. I was one of those who did the therapy. Great, I'm all better now. I'll carry on. And it came back worse because I didn't maintain it. All I had to do was maintain it. And it wasn't a lot of work at all. But I just saw the self help sheets and just eh, just chucked them on the table, whatever, and just, uh, just put them in the drawer somewhere. But I didn't regulate it. And I just fell back into old habits. And, you know, it takes a long time. I did eight months of therapy and it's, it's, made significant improvement but you it's not enough they take longer building emotional habits takes longer because think about it if you have if you've always been one quick to anger if you have a short fuse or a lack of patience remember if you've always been that way you've had x amount of years which is your x equals to age you've had that amount of years to build on that habit of anger or, or impatience turning that around is no not going to be an overnight thing you have to override it so every time you feel that way you have to go right okay need to you need to avoid this need to avoid this blah 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 it's it's all about finding a way to and finding a system to regulate yourself so in conclusion of that topic i think it is just uh seeking help where needed and if 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 you don't have a significant problem with it, but you're like, oh, well, I, I wish I wasn't so quick to have a short fuse, you need to look into techniques of developing patience, you know, and it, it's, it might seem ridiculous. It might seem like, oh, looking up how to develop more patience, surely it just comes from me. It does come from yourself, but you have to understand that sometimes the best way to learn things is from people who have done it themselves, you know, so have a look at it. There's a wealth of information. Be careful what you read. Um, I do look on Medium, um, which is the article I'm going to link in the description, uh, is from Medium. That has a lot of useful articles from people who've done that. Um, I tend to avoid forums um, quite a lot because I've seen some information in there which is just... <laughs> like, you know when you just see something and you just know it's just so, so unhealthy for people to say certain things. Like, they, they give what they feel advice that works for them, but actually it's just not good at all. Like, you really have to think about how it would be for yourself. So it's about critical thinking. It's about finding that solution. Um, but again, uh, you can, you don't, and again, this is this is something I mention a lot as well. You don't have to have something quote unquote wrong for you to get therapy. You can be perfectly healthy and regulate your emotions, but sometimes you might be stuck on something. And sometimes you might need that bespoke help, someone you can talk to who's trained to help you spot things and make you see them in a way you haven't seen them before, bespoke to you. And that's where therapy comes in. If you find yourself a good therapist and go see them, they will be able to help with that. So that is about emotional regulation. 
Okay, so I'll mention a final two quick topics uh, on this, but just because they're quick, they're no mean, by no means less important than what I've mentioned so far. The others required more detail. The next thing I want to mention is goals and systems. And what I mean by systems is you could call them habits, I guess. They're things you put in place to achieve what you want to do. So for example, a couple of times in podcasts, I've mentioned the Pomodoro technique. I use this now for everything. All it is, you set a timer for 20, I do my 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes, where you focus on one task for that time. Any distractions are coming, you write them down to deal with after 25, 30 minutes are up. Once the 25 minutes or 30 minutes are up, you then take a short break of five minutes, look on any, any notes that you've made for any distractions you want to look at, or oh, need to reply to this, need to remember that. And in the break, you go, okay, I'll do that now. And then after five minutes, you go again, you reset and you take another 25, 30 minutes on working with something. And what that does, that system allows me to not get burnt out with tasks. It allows me to regulate, there we go, my my uh, my levels of energy, my my enthusiasm, my motivation, things like that. Have you ever sat at the desk working on the same thing for hours and you just drained after and the day's hardly started? That's the kind of thing you avoid with good systems in place. So one of those is the Pomodoro technique. Please check it out if you've not heard of it before. I highly recommend it and it allows me to do a lot of productive work and studying every single day without burning out. Of course, sometimes you make mistakes with it. I Sometimes you don't take enough breaks and things like that, but stick to it as best you can, as that will do you good in the long run. And I've built that as a habit now. I've done that for a good number of months, and I think over a year now I've been using it. So it's very well. I don't really do it without it. Of course, sometimes when things are urgent, I just don't do the time and I just need to get things done. That's a bit different. But I'm saying everyday regulation, I use the Pomodoro. Things like to-do lists, calendars I use a lot as well. Because what that does, it just takes the it just takes the, the the junk out of everything in your head. You know, you know when you've got a lot of things to do, you see a big pile of stuff on for your emails or even paperwork on a desk or even at home, you've got to clean the whole house or something. When you see it as a massive task what happens? You procrastinate because you know you've got all day to do it. You've got this big task to face and you just can't physically do it. It's it's impossible. So another system is to break it down into small chunks and not just chunks of time, but tasks themselves. So cleaning house, right? Okay. Um, let's start with the messiest. So what is it? It's the, I don't know, the spared bedroom has a lot of old boxes that need to go into the attic or to the dump or something. Deal with that first. And even if you use a Pomodoro, I've never used it to clean a house, but by all means, it might work for you better. And you use that. Another thing I do, and again, this is this is maybe a little uncommon, I don't know, but um, I sometimes do meditation while doing a task I need to do, especially when it comes to moving things around in the house. Um, so I just, in the present moment, I just focus on the breath or the actual task itself. And you're going to get a two-in-one and you feel a lot better after doing it. And you, you and it's a good system to keep you going. Um, so that's another system. And these systems just help get things done. It's to do with productivity. I do have another podcast about productivity where I mention a lot more and go into a lot more detail with this. So please check that out. But these systems go in line with the other thing I mentioned, which is goal setting. So it's about achieving 
you hear smart goals all the time. I mean, here in the UK, in school and at work, you always hear smart goals. And even I'm really tired of hearing them, but there's a reason why people mention them all the time. And smart, if you're not sure, stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic or relevant, and timely or time-bound. So it's about making goals manageable. And I think the key thing to take away from the goal setting and systems, always break big chunks of things down. And again, I'm being in software development and studying that, that is a big factor. You know, there's a lot of very, very complicated things that that you need to look through when it comes to code. And if you're being asked to build a giant system or piece of software, if you just try and take on a whole task at once, you'll never really quite get it. It's it's about breaking it down to small components, solving those small problems first, and then move and then putting them together. And it's the same with goal setting. You might have a goal where you want to be a professional singer in the next five, ten years or something. And again, well, I just mentioned five, ten years. That was just a time example. But that's that's the T of smart. It's the, the you know, the the time of it. And then so you I mentioned five, ten years is a big goal in a sense of being like a very, very good singer who's being paid to do it because you're, you're that good. And let's say you've had no singing singing experience at all. So you set goals. You know, you set, okay, so the, you, break, you break the task down into the small separate goals. So the first thing is to do is to learn the basic techniques. So you might go and get a vocal teacher, learn the basic techniques, learn breathing, learn diaphragm control, learn scales, things like that. And then you move on to, okay, this is the music I want to do, but here's the music I'll start with. Then you move on to this and you move on to all sorts of riffs and runs and things like that. You break them down, you achieve them step by step. And our mind works in like a reward system. So we know we're achieving something. So that in turn builds that motivation to do more of it and to do do it better, to aim higher. Okay, so that's goals and systems. So the final topic I'm going to move on to is something that a lot of people cringe at. And to be, I'll be quite honest, sometimes I cringe like crazy at this word as well. And it's self-love. Blech, I just said it. It's horrible. If you're sat in there cringing, stay with me, okay? Because um, I don't mean just the lovey-dovey guru stuff. I mean actual stuff that gets you, gets you moving forward. If you don't cringe at that, good for you. You know, you you probably have an, a good idea of what self-love is or you have that acceptance of yourself. So more than self-love, I'd say self-acceptance. That's a very, very big thing. And people might think it's a bit unnecessary and blah, just get on with it. But like the amount you can achieve when you actually believe in yourself, like all these movies and all these things are saying, it's amazing. And so how do you do that? And you don't just say to yourself, I mean, you can say to yourself as part of... Um, positive affirmations, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, Part of it is knowing that every single person on this planet has strengths and weaknesses, and it's absolutely okay to have weaknesses. Never run away from having a weakness. If you have a weakness, yeah, of course, you might have a weakness that friends tease you about. You might have something, you might even sadly have people in your life that judge you based on your weakness. But you have to understand is that that is a wrong way of thinking because, you know, unless they've, unless you're doing something which is out of conduct in public, you know, um, like let's say you're quick to anger and you start fights with people, that's different, you know, that's actually affecting other people. But weaknesses are something we all have, and you'll find more often than not that people who try and judge people or abuse people for their weaknesses 
is usually an expression of their own insecurity about theirs. And if you look very closely, it's it's actually alarming how much that 99% of the time that is actually the case. So that's the thing. You have to realize that you spend 24-7 with yourself. And you might be listening to this and you might completely loathe yourself beyond belief. And I've been there. I, I have been there. I, I was at a point where I just hated every fiber of myself. And I knew why for a while. Like I thought, oh, well, I've got these bad habits or I do this. Or my brain doesn't work in this situation. I'm just useless and I just wish I could do this better. And then, you know, you you have people kind of laugh at you for something. I mean, that didn't really happen to me as much. But, you know, of course, it's happened to everyone at some point. But I'd grab onto those memories and then I would just use them. And again, it formed a bad habit. And it can, if you are self, you know, self-loathing, really consider whether or not that's just just a habit that you've built over time. You know, you might be so concrete in your decision. Like me, I was so concrete in my decision that I hated myself. It got to the point where I actually forgot exactly why I did. And ask yourself, why do I do that? Why do I hate myself? Like, what what is it specifically? Is it what someone said? Remember, it's back to is it you or is it what people have said? You might be unfortunate enough to have friends or family that give you abuse and it's terrible and it can do all sorts of things to your own world in your head and your perspective on things and you might start to think, oh, maybe those guys are true. Maybe I am this and that and the other, but it's not. And it's very hard to see that when you're already in self-loathing and it can get so bad that you can contemplate suicide and all these kind of things. But when I came out of self-loathing, I realized that what I hated myself for was just a protection against not accepting my own insecurities and weakness, thinking it wasn't okay, like I had to be more perfect or I was better than that. And uh, what turned my what turned me around from that was I actually tried to imagine myself as a like I kind of copied and pasted myself next to me as a small child version of me. Like I, I took like memories of videos and photos from when I was a child and I saw that and I used that and imagine that as a different person. You wouldn't you wouldn't tell that person, oh, I hate everything about you and who you are because it's a, it's a different person. You notice you, you're nice to other people, but you hate yourself. Why is it? It's because you don't see yourself as that person who deserves that love and respect. You 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 just abuse yourself because it's just you don't have that consideration that actually you're a person too. And it was always it was always weird to me how in law well in the UK I think suicide is illegal or something. And I thought about that for a while and actually it's cuz suicide is murder if you think about it it's 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 murdering yourself and 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 again this is no disrespect for victims you know families who've been through someone who's committed suicide but what i'm trying to say is the way you get out of that way of thinking is to realize that to kill yourself is to kill a person you know it's it's about realizing that you are just as important as everyone else in this world you you deserve happiness and acceptance as much as everyone else in this world so you have to make the change to make that and to be quite honest with you if you are having friends or family that are giving you abuse making you feel that way you need to cut those ties and move on 
it's better well uh, i think uh, i can't remember this quote exactly this might be a buddha quote but i'm very very um skeptical to use buddha quotes because there's a lot of fake ones out there but anyway this is a quote i heard is better to be alone than in the company of fools you know it's better to if you're in a relationship where you're constantly getting emotional abuse and someone's making you feel bad about yourself every day you have to really question that how long has it been going on for and are you making excuses for their behavior and that's a tough one you know now what i mentioned about hating yourself and su- and suicide i've been there i have been through incredible safe self-hatred and suicidal thoughts every second of every day i've been through that but that's what helps is because i realized I wasn't treating myself as a person. I was putting everyone else's needs above my own. And it got to the point where it was a crisis. I went, right, this is getting stupid now. I need to really, really know who I am and spend some time alone and realize, you know, who I am as a person. And every time I'd have a negative thought about myself, I would also think two positive ones. And if you can't think of anything positive to say about yourself find someone who does see that and there will there will be though there has to be someone who is able to see that in yourself you know they're able to see they go okay well actually you're very talented at this and I like it when you do this and that and the other and then you might start to you have to kind of grow out of that self-hatred because again another bad habit I'm afraid uh they they're quite they can be quite subtle but all your bad thinking and self-loathing has just developed into this mass of just self-hatred and the way to break out of it is to really realize that it's not all bad you know it's impossible to be all bad you cannot just be all bad like there's gonna be strengths you have there's gonna be good things you have or it's about focusing on them because all you've done is shifted your focus to bad things if you realize oh i just suck at everything or i'm pathetic at everything again go back to what i said okay be specific. Your mind likes to generalize. What is it you're bad at? What is it specifically? And you real in reality, it's not that bad, but our minds like to dramatize things a little bit more. And it doesn't mean you're pathetic or anything like that. That's what everybody does. In their head, we tend to over-dramatize. We just got to realize those habits and go, right, okay, what is it specifically that I'm struggling with and make a plan to get out of them? So that is how you do self-acceptance. You've got to really realize that you deserve, you know, your own acceptance as much as everybody else and you also got to realize that you have strengths and weaknesses just like everybody else and there is absolutely no reason whatsoever for you to go into self-hatred because i mean think about it in reality why would you you have you ha- yes you, you we all have weaknesses we all have things we're not good at we all have things we don't like about ourselves it doesn't mean there's bad we're all bad there's going to be stuff that we like you've just forgotten what they are you need to remind yourself or get someone you trust to remind you of those qualities okay that's everything for today so just in conclusion to that um self improvement is a difficult road it's a long road it's a difficult road and it never ends you always do it but what happens is you see the joy once once you start making progress on improving yourself and you're starting to see the person you become that's when the rewards system starts to kick in in your mind and you actually enjoy it and you just keep on this improvement you always just try and work on things but it must be under the perspective is that you are enough as you are this is just something you want for yourself to improve your quality of life it shouldn't be any other reason than that 
Okay, well, that's everything. So in conclusion, go back to what I told you at the start of this podcast, which is what qualities you want to have in five, 10 years time. That is the basis of all self-improvement. And if you were to take anything away from today, it's to realize that's how you know what you want in life is how in what position you want to be in and not just financially or what you're doing or anything like that. It can be, by all means, it can be absolutely fine. But think more about the values and who you want to be and what you want to develop over time. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. Um, these podcasts, due to the current situation and uh, my, my studying at the moment, I have brought these down to one a week at the moment. So you'll get an episode recorded every Friday and published every Saturday. So keep your eye out on Saturdays for uh, these new posts. If you haven't subscribed already, please go to the selfhelpplace.com and you'll find a, bo- a pop-up box and also a bar at the top where you can enter your email and subscribe and I will send you a podcast basically as soon as it's ready every Saturday. Okay, thank you for listening and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit the website theselfhelpplace.com for more information.